What's up, everybody? That was pretty terrible. What's up, everybody? That was a little better. That was a little better. All right, so Ben mentioned something about being somebody's personal hype man. So I'm going to give you guys a fact about Ben that, from what I understand, Ben has stopped sharing over the past couple of years. And I don't know what's going on. But as you guys know, Ben was an athlete at Furman, right? Yes, you guys were on the same page here? Okay, so Ben was an athlete at Furman, right? Well, what we don't know, apparently, is that Ben made it to the big times in Australia. And, no, 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 you guys are laughing at me. So, is it 2006, Ben? 2006, on the Lakeside Lightning, the finals for the NBL 1, Ben Earl is the finals MVP, and they win the finals in Australia. Come on. And you guys, you guys, you guys think I'm telling a tacky right now, but I'm being so real. Look it up on Google. If you need any, like, if you guys need to vet me out, you can ask Owen and Bennett and Ellie. We were all at dinner at Salsa's, and, and literally, literally, we spent 35 minutes trying to figure out who Ben played for and if he was MVP. Also, Josh Germany was there. So, all that to be said, I need you guys to get on the Ben Earl hype train because more people need to know about his feat of being on Google for the NBL1 in Australia in 2006. <laughs> As we get further removed, it's probably going to be harder to find, but it's all right. So, anyways, I'm super excited to be here tonight. Um, Ellie and I were driving up, um, and it's cool because it's, it's weird, it's different because we leave and it's like, man, we don't know if we're coming back, it's COVID, and then we don't come back, and then we are like praying through things, and Ellie kind of led the charge, she like felt like she wasn't supposed to come back to Furman, I started praying about it, and I felt like I wasn't supposed to be coming back to Furman. We were like, well, what in the world? What are we going to do? We have some awesome community with FCA. We have some awesome stuff going on. We didn't come back. Um, and so since uh, we have kind of been online doing school, but since we've gotten married, so we put a ring on it, which is pretty awesome. Come on, praise God. Come on. And uh, we also are kind of working and doing school and figuring out what it looks like to be married. And there's a really steep learning curve. Just so you guys know, I've had to learn like the same thing 14 times. Ellie will tell you. But it's getting there. Every day is a little bit better than the last, right? So anyways, we're super, super excited to be here. Um, and I'm so thankful uh, for the opportunity to share with you guys. Um, so before we get going tonight, I'm just going to pray um, and then we can get moving. So let's bow our heads. Lord, thank you for this night. Thank you for the opportunity to come back um, with such great community and share some things that you have been teaching me personally. Father, I pray that as we go through tonight, it is not a word of what I say, but that you, Holy Spirit, would speak through me because you are the one who brings truth. You are the one who brings us into truth and you are the life. You are the way, the truth, and the life. And so, Father, I pray that it's you and not me I pray that every ear and heart is open, that every mind is clear, um, and that we all leave changed and challenged and ready to deliver your gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray. Well, let's not pray. Let's go. We're going to pray twice. So tonight, we're going to be talking about gratefulness. Obviously, we have you know, kind of crept up to Thanksgiving pretty quick. It feels like it's not that far away, but it kind of is like 
far away, but it's not, and we're going to be there before we know it. So tonight I'm going to be talking about gratitude. And before I get going with that, I have a little like, I don't know, maybe, maybe this is like my high horse a little bit, but how annoying is it when people just are complaining about everything? You guys can talk back. Yeah. It's pretty annoying, right? So here, you guys, when, when you guys start getting annoyed with me, just, you know, raise your hand, okay? So I woke up this morning and I was super, super tired and I did not get enough sleep last night. And then I rolled over and Ellie hadn't woken up yet, so I had to wake her up and then that was going to be terrible because she doesn't like when I wake her up before 5.15. And then, I, oh my gosh, it was too cold when I got outside. I was going to the gym and my sweatshirt, it was, uh, it was kind of good, but it wasn't enough for the cold. But then I was wearing a sweatshirt to work, but by the end of the day, I was too hot. And my shirt, it just was a little stinky because I'd been stinking all day. And then my lunch, I was too full for my lunch. So when I went to go eat dinner, it was just too much. And oh my gosh, I had to fill up my car today. Gas was $3.19. Actually, it was $3.39. How in the world am I supposed to pay $53 for a tank in my Passat? I don't understand this. So you guys are starting to get annoyed, right? Yeah. <laughs> How easy is it to go down this winding slope of complaining? It's so easy, right? And so much of our life, we are in this constant state of complaining. But Scripture is so clear that where we are naturally bent towards complaining, we've got to take those thoughts captive. So what am I saying? In Romans 12, 2, it says, Do not conform to the ways of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, right? So that you can test what's going on, and you can see if it's obedient to Christ. In the same way, 2 Corinthians in chapter 10, verse 5, says that we take captive every thought and we make sure that it's obedient to Christ. Well, how do we do that? How do we take these thoughts captive? And so I have a, a little example of how we take some thoughts captive. So Ben, I'm going to borrow your guitar. I got permission if you, you want to turn it on. So let's act like, and this is an illustration that, sits close, you know, near and dear to me because the guitar is something that I'm comfortable with. So we'll just go, this is how I think. So let's say that a thought is a note, okay? Does that make sense? So this F note is a thought, right? And what happens is we get thoughts, we surround them with things, and then if we're naturally bent towards complaining, those thoughts don't sound pretty to the world, right? They probably sound like this. Does that sound nice? Not one bit, right? So when we take thoughts captive and we make them obedient to Christ, what we are doing, we're taking this F note and instead of it sounding like this, it's now sounding like this. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So we've now taken the thought and we've changed the scope of it and it now sounds so much better, right? And so that's what it looks like when we take these thoughts captive and we make them obedient to Christ. There's an awesome quote by Martin Luther. There's a lot of cool quotes by Martin Luther, actually. So, but there's this one where I'm not going to get it exactly right. But he says, we cannot control what birds fly over our heads, but we can control which ones sit down and make a nest in our hair. We cannot control our everyday coming and going thoughts, how they move in and out. But what we can control is what we choose to dwell on. And so if we are consistently in our life 
taking these naturally complaining thoughts, going down this winding road, what is our life going to look like? A massive pit of complaining, right? And so I'm going to give you guys another little example that I feel like happens a lot. So I feel like so many of us in our pit of misery and complaining a lot of times like to do it and we want everybody to notice that we're complaining, but we don't want to like verbally say, hey, life's kind of a mess right now. So it looks more like this, like just kind of walking down, like going around, you know, doing this and that and the other and just kind of, and then like all your boys are back there and they're like, well, what's going on with Gabe? But I need to verbally hear what's going on with Gabe. And so you're just sitting here like, notice me. Oh, Gabe, what's going on? Why did it take you so long to ask? Oh my gosh. And so you like walk around, you're like banging around, doing this and that and the other, and you're walking, and it's just this massive pit of misery because it's easy to stay in a state of complaining, right? It feels good to be sad, right? We've got to take it captive. And so let's look at some secular studies on, the, on gratitude and on that emotion. And because scripture points to it, right, taking thoughts captive, it's kind of crazy when science and, and scripture kind of do this. And it's crazy because God is truth, right? And in him and from him is all truth, right? And in him is, and from him are all things, right? And so naturally, science and scripture should go like this. But there's so many people who want to take it and do their own thing with it. And what happens, this is a misquoted scripture, but what happens is pride goes before destruction and a haughty heart before a fall. When you become wise in your own eyes, you're bound to fall. So it's interesting when you see these people who take scripture and go this way with it, and eventually they're running into themselves and toppling over, right? But God and scripture and science do go like this. And so here's a couple of studies on gratitude that should really point us in a direction of, hey, let's take our thoughts captive. So Dr. Robert A. Emmons of the University of California, Davis, and Dr. Michael E. McCullough of the University of Miami did some research on gratitude, right? And they asked some people, they split them up into a couple of groups. They had for 10 weeks a group that journaled on things that irritated them in their day. And for 10 weeks they had another group that journaled on things that they were grateful for throughout their day, right? Every day. So by the end of the 10 weeks, gratitude people, more optimistic, felt better about life, exercise more, fewer physician visits. It's a pretty big difference, right? All right, let's do another one. A 2011 study published in Applied Psychology, Health, and Well-Being. If you spend 15 minutes jotting down a few grateful sentiments before bed, you may sleep better and longer. How many of us need to sleep better and longer? Come on, come on. Everybody, yep, let's try this. A 2006 study published in Behavior Research and Therapy found that Vietnam War vets with higher levels of gratitude experienced lower rates of PTSD. It's pretty crazy, right? And the last one blew my mind, but a 2003 study published in the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology found that gratitude was a major contributor to resilience following 9-11. It's pretty crazy, right? So I wonder how many of us are in this downward scope, downward spiral, constantly complaining of being ungrateful and it kills our witness it kills our joy it kills our sleep which kills our joy even more when all we got to do is make a conscious decision to take our thoughts captive so 
Let's turn to, if you got your phone, if you got your Bible, I'm going to be in Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 through 13. Um, and as you're turning, I'm going to take a sip of water. But, so, a little backstory on this. This is Paul. Paul wrote a lot of the New Testament, right? There's some dispute on how much of the New Testament he wrote, but we know he wrote a lot, right? And in Philippians, he was, we know that Paul was imprisoned, right? And up until recently, the kind of majority opinion has been that Paul was in Rome. He was imprisoned in Rome, right? Up, and then recently, there's been some other opinions that have come in. Well, maybe it was Caesarea, maybe it was Ephesus, and it was a different type of imprisonment. But what we know is that Paul was imprisoned, right? So that's our backstory. Paul was in prison. Keep that in your mind. I'm in the ESV translation. So, beginning in verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's anything excellent, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be bought low and know how to abound. In ev any, in every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Thank you, Tim Tebow, for this. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So, obviously, if any of you guys have not read what precedes... Philippians 4.13, we see that it does not mean I put it on my helmet and I win the football game. It does not mean I say this prayer before I take a test and I pass. It does not mean that. There's a lot of context to this. But there is so much gold right here. The Bible, ta or the, the Bible talks about how the Bible, the word, the scripture is treasure, right? The Bible talks about in Psalms 1 how the person who meditates on Scripture day and night is like a tree that is planted by streams of water and it never fails to bear fruit in season. Scripture is clear how Scripture is golden, right? And there is so much to pull out of this. So, the thought that I want to be thinking about for us to be dwelling on as we kind of dive into that is gratitude turns whatever we have into enough. So Paul, I think this is awesome but in verse 12 it says I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance I have learned the secret of, place, or of uh, facing plenty and hunger abundance and need and what's so cool is that Paul is writing this from prison he's saying that I am content now and Paul is also saying that I was at the highest of highs and I was still content. And we find ourselves in this paradox that when we're in the lowest of lows, when we feel like we're at the bottom of the pit, we're always like, God, pull me out of this right now. I can't handle this anymore. Not, God, thank you for being with me even in the darkest of valleys. Lord, what do I need to learn in this situation? And then when we're in the highest of highs, we constantly go to this of, hey, I did this myself. Look at me. I got myself here. This is all me. But Paul is saying, I've learned the secret to be content in both of those circumstances. And you go back a few verses and he says, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, pure, lovely, commendable, think on those things. 
So I wonder if so much of this getting caught up in our minds and screwing it up in the process is because we're not thinking about the right things when we're in the valley and then we're turning it to ourselves when we're in the mountaintop. Does that make sense? There's an awesome quote by a guy named Charles Hatton Spurgeon and it says, There are a great many men that know a little how to be abased. They do not know at all how to abound. When they are put down into the pit with Joseph, they look up and see the starry promise and they hope for an escape. But when they are put on top of the pinnacle, their heads grow dizzy and they are ready to fall. I've been in that situation so many times. It's like, oh, I'm in the valley. Oh my gosh, God, please get me out of this. I don't, know, I don't really care about what you want to teach me. I can't handle this anymore. Oh, God, yeah, 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 you're with me, but please get me out of this. And then I'll be on the mountaintops. It's like, oh, look at me. I'm killing it right now. This is all me. Go me. Right? And Paul had lived in both of those situations. And while writing in prison, he was content. That's so amazing to me. So there's a couple of declarative statements um, that I think we can make, including myself, and this is something that God has been teaching me. Um, you can ask Ellie. I was teaching a very, very similar message to our students um, at our church at Renovation last Wednesday night. And on Tuesday night, Ellie straight up had to ask me, hey, what have you said that's positive in the past five minutes? So it, this has definitely been something that's super close to my heart and something that I've been learning. Um, but these are some statements that... I think when used in action and when used frequently, our perspective is going to change and we're going to think about those honorable, true, lovely, admirable things, right? So, I will not let what I want rob me of what I have, is statement number one. An example for me, as you guys know, I love to play guitar. One of my wedding vows to Ellie was that I'm going to love Ellie all the time and basically... I'm going to love her when she doesn't let me buy guitars and one day when she lets me buy super nice vintage guitars. I'm still going to love her then too. Um, but there is, this is constant for me where I will be playing my guitar, which is a super nice guitar, and it's like, man, I'm playing this $2,000 guitar. I love it so much. And I'm thinking about how it would sound so much better if I was playing a $4,500 guitar. And then I'll be playing a, a $3,500 guitar. And it's like, man, if I was playing this $7,000 guitar, it would sound so much better. And I'm letting what I want rob me of what I have. It's like I've got, you know, a quarter of a toe in the present. And it's like, oh, in the future, this and this and this and this and this is going to happen. And that's not any fun, right? And that leads you down this pit of complaining, right? So this is a, a couple of, of stats um, that really, really blew my mind. Um, but in 2011, the, the Pew Research Center um, did some, some studies on the income levels of the like global income status, right? And so the official poverty line of the United States in 2011 was $23,021 for a family of four. So $15.77 a day per person, right? So this is actually a fair amount higher than the general accepted threshold for global middle-class status. So the poverty line in the United States was uh, 
$5.77 higher. The, the global middle income status was $10 a day. So poverty in the United States is $15.77 and global middle income status is $10 a day. Now I understand that cost of living is higher in the United States, but I think that puts a really good perspective on it. We are so incredibly blessed. And we should not let what we want rob us of what we have, right? We're wearing clothes. We get food. For you freshmen, you get nine meals a day at the DH. For, and you still have points and you still, like, you still can do all that. You can go to the paddock like 15 times, right? Like you can do all of that. We have awesome teachers that really, really care. The class sizes are really small. Have you guys ever been to Clemson? There are so many blessings that we have that we constantly take for granted because we want something else. So statement number one, I will not let what I want rob me of what I have. Number two, every good thing I have comes from God. James 1.17 says every good and th perfect thing comes from the Lord. That's straight scripture, right? And then you, you think about this mountaintop analogy of, oh, well, bro, I work for that. Like, you know, I'm, I'll pick on the football players. Like, oh, I'm, I'm in the gym. I'm grinding. I'm putting work in. I'm, I'm meeting with the coaches extra. I'm attentive at every single meeting. I'm taking notes. I'm grinding so hard. Literally, I wake up early in the morning. I'm eating clean. I'm doing this and that and the other. The trainers know me as the ankle roll tape doctor. Like, I'm so good at all this, right? Who gave you the ability to practice? Who gave you the ability? Who gave you breath? Who gave you the thought that, hey, I'm going to work so hard? Who gave you the facilities at Furman? Who gave you the coaching at Furman? Who gave you the clothes that are on your back? It is so easy to become selfish when you're on the mountaintop and to become desperate when you're in the valley. And it's got to be something that we have to have a handle on, take thought or take captive every single thought, right? So every good thing I have comes from God. And, the, and number three is every blessing I have is reason for praise. So the Psalms are full of praising God for what he's done. Um, but, but every time that we have a complaint, we actually have an opportunity. So remember the bird quote. Remember the complaining at the beginning. We have an opportunity to turn that. So I said... I had to spend $53 today to fill up my car, which is stupid. I get that. I drive a Volkswagen Passat. The car weighs 2,000 pounds. I don't get it. But I had to spend $53 today to fill up my car, right? That can be a complaint. Well, hey, the fact that I was able to swipe my card and not have to worry about where the money came from, that's a reason to give thanks, right? I talked about how I put my sweatshirt on and it was warm enough for the moment, but then I got outside and I was cold as crap, right? I had a sweatshirt to cover myself up, right? And then actually when I put my sweatshirt on, I was able to get into my car that takes gas and drive to the gym that actually you pay for. That's another blessing, right? I complained about how when I got to work, wait a second, when I got to work, that, that's salaried, that I get paid for. That's another blessing. Another one. You see what I'm saying? The minute that these thoughts come into our head that are trying to derail us, it's an opportunity for us to flip it, to flip the script, right? 
It's an opportunity. Every blessing I have is reason for praise. And even the hard things. 2 Corinthians 12 verses 9 and 10 say, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. This is why for Christ's sakes I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. That's the NIV. But Paul says that. For in every single weakness I have, that's an opportunity for praise. It is by grace that we are saved through faith, right? It's nothing that we could ever do. So if you feel like you are in the valley that is deeper than you've ever been in, remember that by God's grace, you have an eternal destination. Every single blessing that I have is reason for praise. Flip the script. Do not let complaining become your master. So this is super simple tonight, guys. This is something that has been super difficult for me. Um, and it's something that I believe is just going to continue to pop up as we get closer to Thanksgiving, right? It's the season of thankfulness. It's the season of Thanksgiving, right? And that's awesome. But don't make that just a Thanksgiving thing. So my challenge to you guys, um, my challenge to myself, is whether it's at the beginning of the day, whether it's at the end of the day, whether it's in the middle, whatever, take five minutes, pull out a journal, and just start writing things that you're thankful for. And it doesn't have to be like the most super spiritual things ever. Um, the other day I did this and literally it was like shoes, clothes, food, mashed potatoes, gravy, bacon, like stuff like that. It doesn't, right? But it's really, really easy when you start to cultivate this thing inside you. That as you go throughout the rest of your day, it's really easy to pick up on other things that you're thankful for. Oh my gosh, thank you for being so generous when I walked through the counter at the grocery store and you said, hey, how was your day? I'm really thankful for that. Oh my gosh, this person literally let me over in traffic on like 385. I don't get it. That's so stupid. On Poinsett, are you kidding me? Why did you let me over? You held up traffic for me? I would much rather be in that camp than in the other one, right? So that's my challenge to you guys. It's super, super simple. Um, it's super practical. But I really, really think that it'll have profound impact on your life and on my life. Okay? Cool? All right. Well, I think worship. All right. Well, here. Let me pray for us. Um, and we'll get into worship. Lord, thank you for tonight again. Thank you for the opportunity to speak. Thank you for the opportunity to share. Lord, I pray that you challenge each and every single one of us. Um, that you help us first to realize our worth in you. That you help us to realize that we have a story in you and that we have a future. Father, I pray that if any of us have not made the decision um, to believe in our heart and to confess with our mouth that you are Lord, I pray that you would stir in our hearts and that we would not leave here without doing that. Um, but Father, I pray that you challenge us, um, that you give us open minds, clear hearts, and energy for the rest of the week. Amen. Thank you.